We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine like hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining room can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you're visiting, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic Felsmere, or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, old Florida cuisine at its best. Back to the Ask Dr. Gibbs radio show at XZBN, X-Zone Radio from Toronto, Canada. As you may know, having listened to the last 10 broadcasts, my show explores in depth and breadth five complex issues. These are all about meaningful coincidences, often referred to as synchronicities. Two, the effective prevention and treatment of heroin and opioid addictions. Three, a suggested inclusion in the training of police and citizens alike aiming to de-escalate potential violence. Four, answering questions for those of you who are considering going into some form of psychotherapy or psychoanalysis. And five, today introducing a new topic, which I call the truth about coping with anxiety, depression, frustration, and stress, often without needing to take medication. Uh, before doing so, two things. First, I invite your questions on this or any other topic. Send your questions and comments to me at either G. Williams, uh, uh, New York 11 at AOL.com or to DrGibbsWilliams.com or on my Facebook page uh, called Ask Dr. Williams Wrong, AskDrGibbs.net. Um, as I said, today is a shift of topic. Before I do so, a little bit of unfinished business. 
I didn't quite have enough time to finish the um, interpretation of what I call the Tiger Woods uh, synchronicity. And I think it's important to do so. First of all, a few of you wrote in and said, please uh, don't jip us. We need that interpretation. And I think the interpretation is important because it can be used as a template for any of you who want to go through the uh, work of interpreting your own synchronicities. Uh, it's a particularly good one. And, um, well, I hope you will agree. Uh, the particular synchronicity that I'm referring to is called Wittenberg's diagnostic device. I, it's important, as I've said, to understand the context in which synchronicities occur. Uh, as you may remember, I had collected a number of, um, synchronicities from what I call synchronicity prone patients in my analytic pa in my analytic practice and it spurred me or, and stirred me to consider writing a book on the subject I had amassed an enormous amount of material but it's one thing to think about writing a an important book it's another thing to take it seriously and taking it seriously means you got to go from collecting notes <clears throat> to organizing them and making an outline and uh, doing the scut work to uh, fill in the outline and so forth. And along the way, as you may know, if you've tried to do such a project, uh, there are any number of stuck points where you lose your nerve, you figure, well, somebody's going to steal my ideas or <clears throat> I'm not going to be able to do it perfect enough or who would want to read this stuff and you know there's a number of mind traps which get in the way of really doing something creative um it was in this context that i had um been aware that tiger woods was a hero for me i had very few heroes growing up he was one of them i played a small amount of golf but watched him avidly as he, week to week, um, consistently indicated that this guy was really unreal. He uh, went tournament after tournament. He made the most amazing uh, golf shots. Uh, putts were like 70 feet away, and somehow the ball magically hit the cup. Not all the time, but <clears throat> with an enormous percentage of, uh, of uh, hits. So I tried to figure out, what has this guy got? What, is, what makes him so great? One thing that I noticed was at five, he had an incredibly close relationship with his father, who was his coach. His father took him out golfing and um, coached him. And uh, obviously, uh, <clears throat> Tiger Woods had a great deal of talent. <clears throat> but he combined his talent with lots of practice, uh, stick to uh, a uh, incredible competitive spirit to not just beat others, beat himself, always striving to go, you know, above and beyond where he could do and so forth. And these obviously are character traits that probably fit anybody who's trying to achieve something of importance. I like Spinoza's uh, phrase, anything worth accomplishing is as difficult as it is rare. Now, I know in today's world, maybe it's always been in the world, uh, People are always striving to have the good life. They want to do heroic things. They want to um, be 
known uh, for um, doing well. That's not going to make news. However, what you have to decide is, are you going to get magical guidance or are you going to take responsibility for doing it yourself? My, my path is you're stuck with your own final authority and you got to learn how to persist in the face of struggle. So you have to dedicate yourself to struggling with struggle. You'll have to take a break and come back and I'll give you the interpretation of the Tiger Woods Secretist. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today, Know the Name, Know the Person, or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere, Florida. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine such as hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining rooms can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you visit, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic downtown Felsmere. Or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, Old Florida cuisine at its best. Welcome back to the Ask Dr. Gibbs show. I left off just before um, indicating my interpretation of the Tiger Woods synchronicity. Uh, just to give you 
more of the context. I had been writing an article called The Tiger's Tale, The Game of Golf and the Game of Life. This was a, uh, an attempt to try to understand for myself what made uh, for uh, greatness for Tiger Woods. It was in this context that I had the following synchronicity. Just as I was relating, uh, I was thinking about my analyst formula. I had been in psychoanalysis, and he had uh, constantly made mention of this rather obscure two-word uh, phrase called time equals libido. I intuitively felt, every time I heard it, it felt really powerful, uh, like E equals MC squared. But what it really meant eluded me. Sort of had a sense of it. Time, I knew what time was. Libido was sort of raw energy. Now, if time equals libido, then time means that there's essentially raw energy. But what is that all about? So it eluded me for years. <clears throat> As I was thinking over this formula, what it meant to me, <clears throat> I heard on national public radio a program that had the following statement. Wittenberg's device was utilized as a diagnostic tool. Hair stood on end. This was equivalent to the experience that I had <clears throat> with my first synchronicity when I asked, do miracles really exist? And I opened the Bible, and as you may remember, it, uh, the first line that I spied, I was conscious of, was the story of Lazarus rising from the grave, which seemed to indicate that the answer to my question of do miracles exist? Well, they certainly do in the Bible. <clears throat> certainly had to do with um, if, if the Lazarus story was true. Uh, that's pretty miraculous. Uh, to my knowledge, uh, most people do not rise from the dead. So um, you get the point. And that led ultimately to a 37-year journal, which was peppered with 19 major synchronicities, all of which, in my mind, were the equivalent of this, what I would say was a pretty big time uh, synchronicity. Synchronicities uh, differ with respect to weightiness. Um, and I think it's up to the individual to determine for themselves how important these things are. To others, it may be meaningless. To the um, experiencer, it may be life-defining. <clears throat> In this connection, uh, I'm sure when I mentioned the synchronicity of Wittenberg's device, most of you would say, what's he talking about? That's, that's no big deal. Well, it was a very big deal for me because the name of my analyst, as I have said to you, was Wittenberg. So Wittenberg, there isn't any device that was important. It was Wittenberg's device. And it was in the context of me mulling over what it, does he mean by time equals libido. Now, here's my interpretation. First, you take both sides you, ident you, you spell out your synchronicity. And as you will remember, synchronicities are all different, but they have a common um, basis, a common structure. They're all composed of an internal event which is connected in, by meaning to an external event which seems to parallel the two and it's seemingly uncaused. And another factor of these two events seem to be paired in time uh, almost, simultane almost simultaneously, sometimes it takes a longer bit of time, there is a sense that these two things connect 
in a incredibly uh, timely way. So it's sort of um, head scratching, and this is what leads to uh, you know statistics and probability that how can these two things occur almost simultaneously? It, it defies probability theory, and it gives the sense of the uncanny to these often amazingly uh, amazing experiences. So. Steps in interpretation, very simple. You write out your synchronicity, and then you look for the internal event, parallel, and a parallel external event, and that becomes the basis of your synchronicity, of any synchronicity. And again, they're conjoined, conjoined by a equivalence of meaning, which apparently defy conventional causality. The internal event for example, with the scarab um, synchronicity, um, uh, you can refer back to the iconic synchronicity that Jung had with his patient when she brings him in a dream, indicating that she um, is being handed a golden scarab, and as she's doing that, uh, Jung hears a tapping of his window, uh, gets up realizes that what's causing the tapping is uh, a scary beetle, and what makes it scary is the coloration, the orange-yellow uh, coloration. He opens the window, he grabs the um, beetle, comes in, gets up, goes over to his patient, takes her hand, and says to her, here's your golden scary. Presumably, uh, this was a extraordinarily shocking, good shocking experience for his patient, who had essentially been uptight, and had too much animus, had too much a feeling of being a man, and needed to loosen up and experience uh, femininity from Jung's point of view, uh, anima, and presumably shocked her in a way that she, presumably she was able to connect with um, what Jung believes was the collective unconscious, and, and in uh, uh, Golden Scary was presumably an archetypal symbol of transformation uh, and get the point that she was able to connect with this assumed realm of spirituality and archetypal knowledge and presumably was so shaken up that she uh, was able to experience uh, her anima and break through her defensive isolation of affect. And you get the point. Uh, it is doubtful that she indeed had the experience that Jung claims that she did, she did but he had it. So it was a shared synchronicity, and what it did for him was to validate that steps in his um, theory were valid, and he described that particular event as uh, one, if not the most important synchronicity he ever had. So these things can be really life-defining. The important thing is that her having a dream of being handed a golden scarab probably did not cause the beetle to tap on the window. In addition to which, Jung probably did not read her mind and knew what her dream was and knew that there was going to be a beetle there that had the coloration of a scary. So in other words, the internal event probably did not cause the external and uh, Jung's uh, knowledge did not affect her dream and so on. Uh, so what Jung did was to throw out conventional causality as an explanation of the link between the internal event and the external event and adopted what he referred to as an a-causal principle. And that's, that exists today, that uh, Jung dominates the synchronicity field by about 
five or ninety two or ten uh, so that it opens the way for master teachers and divine intervention and uh, spiritual universe and magic and mysticism and so forth. Nothing against it, but um, I think, well, my, my own personal experience was I started out that way, but through my own uh, trip and uh, majoring in philosophy and plugging in critical thinking, I started to uh, consider that maybe there was another valid explanation for how these things form. And that eventually led to questioning Jung's assumptions and me redefining terms like spirituality and causality and so on, and led to a, an intensive research of this very interesting topic over a period of 45 years. So at the time of the Wittenberg, um, uh, the Tiger Woods synchronicity, I had amassed an enormous amount of uh, material and wanted to write a book on this topic, feeling that I had had enough, enough already, enough research, put it out. And it's an endless topic and time to stop. So it was in this context of enough already. I need some way to stop with the theorizing and write it out. In hearing that um, particular synchronicity, I got, got, let me backtrack. So you know, I took this on interpretation. So I took the both sides. So clearly um, the synchronicity for me had to do with me mulling over at the time that I heard those words, uh, t uh, Wittenberg's device, I had been actively mulling over what did Wittenberg mean by time equals libido. So Wittenberg, in effect, was on my mind. And what he said to me was important, which I was trying to understand and having difficulty doing such. And that was the external piece. The internal piece was I was actively mulling over him and what he was saying. So it seemed as if there was a resonance between inner and outer of vast importance. This event satisfies the definition of a synchronicity. The two halves are not causally related in the conventional sense of the term, but they're clearly linked together by an equivalence of meaning and simultaneity. Step two, identifying the specific context in which the synchronicity is embedded. These contexts are the current surface practical concern of the experiencer, two, the current psychological issue, and three, the historical psychological issue. I have said that synchronicities, at least the ones I've studied, all seem to be embedded in a atmosphere of the person, uh, the coincider, feeling stuck with a seemingly unresolvable problem. The problem areas tend to be in issues of identity and or harnessing energy to work on some project. Uh, in fact, synchronicity seems to arise in a, in a place where a person is experiencing quintessential stuckness or some kind of psychological impasse. In my present case, I was aware that I had a wealth of information amassed over the 40 years of my investigating the perplexities of meaningful coincidences. 
I was also aware of the need and desire to stop researching and share the information in a book. But the thought of actually committing myself to writing a book was daunting. That is, it stirred painful anxiety, and I hope you will catch the idea that this new topic we're going to be talking about, all about anxiety and other so-called negative effects, is very very uh, much related to uh, the uh, information I was giving you, I am giving you on synchronicities and where they arise from and what do you do with them and so forth. To co in coping with the intensity of the anxiety, I did what many people do, which was I had a defensive um, maneuver called manana, meaning I will eventually get to writing my book, uh, but not now. Let's do it tomorrow. Today, I do more research. We will continue on, and uh, I hope you will all uh, join after this break. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. 
Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life is no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Welcome back to the Dr. Gibbs Show and continuing on with my interpretation that I hope you will use as a template for interpreting your own synchronicities. My mind was aware that I was fudging as tomorrow stretched into another tomorrow and that tomorrow stretched into yet another tomorrow. In the background of my rationalization, I heard the voice of my deceased analyst saying his often repeated cryptic phrase to me, time equals libido. Whereas the few short words sounded profound to me, we all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. At that moment, I kept feeling something was elusive. I just couldn't get my hands around it. This started a run of free associations. A free association is taking wherever you are. Let's say you're stuck with something. Something's elusive. 
you can't get your hands around. A free association is simply starting out at that point and just letting your mind drift and let it go to wherever it's going. And it's like just free drawing, just being totally spontaneous and taking note of the free associations that will follow, inevitably follow. A number of questions came to mind in my um, watching what those free, associ free associations were. I asked myself, what was my anxiety all about that I was obviously trying to avoid? Wasn't it obvious that I would never begin to write the book if I didn't figure out what my anxiety was about and face it head on? In the midst of mulling these questions, I had a strong feeling of missing my dead analyst. I loved seeing him and being with him. I often hated the material that I brought in, but I loved, for the most part, dialoguing with him. Ulysses by James Joyce came to mind with me identifying with the hero Stephen Dedalus searching for his spiritual father, Bloom. There was no question my analyst was my spiritual father. I also brought back I also thought back to my real father, who was not very fatherly. He put me down all the time and undercut my assets by think, saying such things as you think too much. It was only recently that I'd begun to understand that he was competing with me and was afraid I would steal his thunder. At the same time, I realized that my analyst, my spiritual father, was forever encouraging me to take my ideas about synchronicities seriously. He offered to read my journal that was filled with information and um, my research and so forth, largely about the nature of synchronicities, but I was too frightened to give it to him, so he never really saw it. But I know that if he had, he would have been approving. As these and other associations came to mind, I was once again aware of the three-word formula in the synchronicity, time equals libido. However, now, I began to finally realize the significance of this formula for me, that there is in fact no time in the sense of clock time. The time is an illusion. There's only raw energy, libido, some of which is, is in my own unique amount. Further, I, ha I have the power to choose, and so do you, how much and in what direction to channel and direct this available free energy. Therefore, I could choose to direct it towards writing a book about my ideas and observations concerning the nature and uses of synchronicities or not. I can start one this very minute or never start it at all. The choice is strictly up to me as it is strictly up to you. With the awareness crystal clear in my consciousness, I understood the meaning of my synchronicity. I need no permission from my father or anybody else to begin to write my book on synchronicities. And although I appreciated my analyst's unflagging support and encouragement to take myself and my ideas seriously, I realized that my job is for me to be my own good father and give myself permission to write my book if that is what I really want to do. Or forget the whole thing. It really doesn't matter. It's all up to me, meaning it, I am my own final authority. Mulling over my thoughts and feelings in this way led to the realization that I have no obligation to either please or fear displeasing various father figures. I first need to please myself and let the chips fall. 
I realized my, my libido was itching to start my book. So I made a choice and I said, let's get with it. The time was now. I heard the message that was frequently delivered from my analyst, time equals libido, and that I had the final responsibility to understand what the words meant for me and make a choice. Get off the dime. Step three. If my theory was right, then the synchronicity indicated that I had already found an adequate creative solution to free me from my blockage. In this case, the solution was to simply assume the responsibility of making a clear choice to either write or not to write the fantasized book on synchronicities and stop the infernal obsessing. Step four. If it is accurate that a synchronicity is a marker of significant psychological change, which I believe it is, then concrete evidence of that fact should be obvious in relatively short order. In my case, I heard the suggestion of my wife that I should seriously consider writing the book I had for years talked about but never got around to starting, meaning the book on synchronicities. Hearing her, and I guess taking my own self seriously and putting it all together and realizing it's my choice, but if I'm ever going to write the damn book, I better make a decision to write it and start it. Within a number of days, I wrote a proposal, sent it to a number of publishers, and secured a contract to write this book in a relatively small amount of time. I recollected that I had entered my analysis a slave to linear time. I refused to wear a watch. I hated it. I came to appreciate in the session that at least I could breathe free, transcending space and time, allowing, if I so desire, to just be. Part of the benefits of allowing myself to have that experience enabled me to make a genuine connection with tradition, a concept I had all but completely rejected. The tradition of which I am speaking is the sense of being connected to a long line of sensitive, caring, true professionals who have dedicated their lives to helping others reconcile their internal divisions with their primary tools being the consistent delivery of straight, real, authentic, powerful, therapeutic words. I wrote the book. If anybody is interested, go to Amazon, plug in Gibbs Williams. The name of the book is Demystifying Meaningful Coincidences in Brackets Synchronicities. A... Um, Second part is the evolving self, the personal unconscious, and the creative process. I indicated that 90% of those who are interested in uh, understanding and utilizing synchronicities tend to be Jungians or derivative of uh, adjuncts to Jung, which is probably about 90%. I'm obviously in the 10% that have a... Um, different uh, take. It is important that I do not I do not take the position of I have the definitive answer. These things are really extraordinarily complex, but I do believe I have a viable alternative and I hope I can convince anybody who's interested in these things to have an open mind and just put to um, Utilize the method of interpretation, which is like interpreting a waking dream. Try it out for yourself. Use the Jungian um, interpretation, which you can find in my book, or just plug in um, Google 
Jung's uh, interpretation of uh, synchronicities and try that. And then if you want to try mine and see what works. Um, I like William James on the subject who said uh, ideas are a dime a dozen. It's the cash value of the idea that counts. So you want to see if, you know, how much it illuminates for you and uh, what you can do with it. And then let the um, pudding be, um, let the taste be the, uh, of the pudding be the ultimate uh, criteria for what works for you. Everything works. The question is what works best. You will also see if you're going to pick a a therapist and get into some form of psychotherapy. Uh, There are presumably 365 different um, systems of psychoanalysis or psychoanalytic psychotherapy. They all work for somebody. The question that you have to decide is what works best for you. In order to know what works best, you have to have a reasonably good idea of who are you, what are your values, what are your assumptions about reality, what do you want to change, how much are you prepared to dedicate yourself to struggling with struggle and the likes. In that connection, then, finally, some of you may be breathe a sigh of relief on getting off this topic. And uh, moving to a shift of topic, which is, as I said, the truth about coping with anxiety, depression, frustration, and stress, in most cases without the use of drugs. Uh, in, In looking at how did I move to this particular topic, I was pleased to see that unconsciously there's a really intimate connection. I have indicated I guess numerous times that from my research, synchronicities all begin in a uh, atmosphere of the coincider feeling quintessentially stuck. It's a kind of being in a uh, crossroads on your trip of life. Let's say you're moving along, going in some direction, and you hit one of those um, uh, wheels, uh, circles, where you have eight pathways, and you're sort of flooded with well, which way am I going to go? And if you haven't made a, a, a full decision to go in this particular direction, you can be psychologically overloaded. You can be um, hamstrung. Well, where do I go? And how do I know this choice is better than that choice? And if I go, let's say, make a mistake, can I double back and start over again? And where am I going to start? And, and so on. In a way, life is filled with choices um, every day of our lives. And a lot of these choices are problematic. And it seems to me that the good life, to some extent, has to do with learning how to be a really good problem solver. Now, that's absolutely bound up with my theory of synchronicities, that if they start in an atmosphere of experiencing yourself stuck with a seemingly unsolvable answer, then that's what's going to kick off eventually having a synchronicity. Well, how does it kick it off? From my vantage point, the key to understanding synchronicities is first starts with your particular attitude towards the impasse, the stuck point. In order for, from my vantage point, for a synchronicity to be um, discovered, maybe created, or both, you ha- your attitude towards the stuckness has to be one of accepting inevitable struggle with struggle, meaning even if it looks like there is no answer. You keep persisting, you keep asking questions, you keep searching for an answer 
which I believe is in the form of a psychological scavenger hunt where you're looking for clues as if there are clues are like pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. And when you find enough of these clues and you fill in the boundary of the puzzle, it eventually uh, results in a pattern which is which takes the form of a synchronicity. And since the synchronicity is coded, you have to interpret it and decode it. And that's what my book is all about, steps in decoding and so forth. That's fine. Question, what if your attitude to the stuckness is negative and you really continue to be stuck? We will continue in that vein as soon as we come back from the next break. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. 
Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. What happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genex provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Welcome back to the Ask Dr. Gibbs show, final segment. Um, the, As I was saying, the subject matter of these broadcasts for the next uh, few will be to identify the nature of being stuck, what forms it takes, how best to cope with it, and um, hopefully you'll be able to apply this information to yourself. I hope you will please let me know if this is helpful to you. I think it may be, and if so, please tell your friends and family and loved ones and even your enemies to tune in. I am intimately familiar with the issue of being quintessentially stuck and being stuck with being stuck, uh, which I guess most people experience as being blocked and overwhelmed, and you know what I'm speaking about. I have an intimate uh, connection with them, which I will detail in a few minutes. However, before we begin, I'd like all of you to take note of the following uh, questions. And if you have a chance at the end of this um, broadcast or whenever, please do the suggested exercise. I think it'll make whatever I have to say personally live for you. First of all, get a number of uh, sheets of paper, three or four, eight by 10 blank sheets. On one of them, I want you to generate a list of all the feelings you can think of that randomly come to mind. So among them might be the list that we'll be talking about, frustration, stress, um, anxiety, fear, uh, stuck, and so on. You may have 
a list of 50, 60, 70, many feelings. Just put them down randomly. Then put that sheet away, and on another sheet, I want you to draw a vertical line down the middle of it, top to bottom. Um, actually, I think that's horizontal from top to bottom. On the left-hand side, I want you to label that, um, title that left-hand part with a minus sign. And on the right-hand side, label that section with a plus sign. Then what I want you to do is take the feelings that you have, the random feelings you have on the other sheet, and assign a plus or minus to each one. Now, some of them, I understand, are going to be sort of mixed. If you want, make it another uh, section and call it plus minus. After you've done that, I want you to ask yourself, what has the right-hand side got that the left hand doesn't? In other words, how are all the pluses familiar or similar, and how are all of the uh, minuses uh, similar? And I would imagine you would prefer the pluses, but why so? When you've done that, if you will, it would be lovely if you would make comments, go to the Facebook uh, page, ask Dr. Gibbs, and tell me your experience of that. Um, many of you probably already have a pretty good idea of where we're going, but I think if you concretize um, by doing these exercises, you will profit enormously by taking this sort of abstract material and making it personal. My hope is that what you're going to do is to, uh, as I say, concretize your own attitudes to these particular feelings. Now, why, why, why those feelings? Where do they come from? As a child who gradually became conscious of being alive, somehow I was always interested in uh, answering big questions such as who am I, uh, where do we come from, is there a purpose, how do we know it, what's the good life, and so forth. I guess I was philosophically bent. Many people are, uh, maybe some of you. I think anybody who's interested in the nature and use of meaningful coincidences is philosophically predisposed to answering these big questions. All right, so let's assume that that's true. So what did I... Um, what did I find? That um, in growing up, I realized that while I always had a good mind, if it was only up to me thinking out, um, let's say, positions or trying to be logical about uh, what, what was being alive all about and how do you make choices and all of that stuff, if I only had to rely on my mind as a guide, I'd do pretty, pretty well. I got you know, high marks in school, subject matter was no difficulty until I got to geometry, which really was very hard. But in general, talking about ideas in English class and reading books and discussing you know, philosophical uh, questions and so forth, I loved that. No problem for me. 
What I increasingly did not love was that I also had feelings which were quite difficult and they were all sort of a jumble. I had no names. For example, I was very anxious. Looking back, I had panic attacks. I was quite often extremely depressed. And by the way, this isn't terribly unusual. You know, when you hit adolescence, uh, it is not unusual at all for people to have, you know, severe and intense uh, feelings of panic and anxiety and certainly frustration and stress and so on. And this, of course, persists into um, later life. Everybody has this all the time. Uh, I think it particularly uh, difficult in our in our current state of affairs. Uh, I think many of you probably refuse to read the paper because when you do, you get nervous about the conditions of the world and our own country and the election and uh, what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, it, it, we're, we live in a kind of crisis-ridden society. There are huge, big uh, difficulties that everybody is facing. You know, how to make a living and you're going to be able to maintain your job. And what if you hate your job? Can you leave it? And you get the point. So that conditions are rife for feeling what we're going to be talking about in detail, anxious and fearful and frustrated and stressed out <coughs> and so forth. Now, why is this important? If I'm right, that being able to utilize your synchronicities as a pathway to enlightenment and, and making your own life of meaningful connections, which often involve being able to do something creatively and to really enjoy it and to feel dedicated to it. That if you're stuck and you're stuck with being stuck, then you're not going to get to being able to um, benefit from either synchronistic experiences or certainly you're going to be blocked creatively. So that the attitude to the stuckness is really central, which brings us back full-faced to these issues of feeling, anxiety, which often is experienced as fear, depression, frustration, stress. What do I mean? When you look at the structure of being stuck, what you often find is that stuckness is associated with one or more of these often debilitating feelings. So that if that's true, and I think it is, that your attitude to this being stuck is very crucial with respect to whether or not you're going to be able to make a felt connection with your own creative process. Well, then what do you do? Let's say you're stuck. How do you get unstuck? Which is really going to be the theme of what we're going to be talking about in the next few broadcasts. To cut to the chase, I think there's basically a very uh, simple uh, um, reality that you have to face that the problem in being stuck often is in your attitude to being stuck which is often being stuck by being stuck or in different terms people tend to be stuck because stuckness is experienced often as a combination of stress frustration anxiety depression and a whole host of other feelings, such as ambivalence, feelings of love and hate, 
uh, towards the same person or towards yourself, not knowing, a feeling of weakness, being out of control. There's a whole list of so-called negative feelings of which the key to success, I think, is being able to shift your attitude of usually being negative. I hate these feelings to a gradual acceptance of the inevitability of them where you move from a negative attitude to a positive, meaning I guess there's nothing I can really do about them. They're inevitable because they have to do with normal, realistic limitations of being alive. And in that case, um, notwithstanding the drug company's uh, idea that these are all pathological, so that uh, the cure is to pop the next pill, so you won't have to experience them at all. And moving from that sort of uh, cynical and negative attitude to these inevitable feelings, in my view, they're not pathological. They're built into being alive. And the key to success is you have to learn how to effectively cope. That is really what is going to be the material in the next broadcast uh, with respect to how, the truth about coping with anxiety, depression, frustration, and stress. Uh, I guess we've uh, run out of time. Um, I hope that you will uh, take these matters seriously, ask questions, go on to Facebook, ask me questions or comments or what have you. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I look forward to uh, continuing and have a happy holiday. have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in this is your sign to thank them and if you're that friend this is us saying thank you now get a sausage McMuffin sausage biscuit sausage burrito or hash browns choose two for $2.50 enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2 price of participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal single item at regular price ba -da -ba -ba -ba.